Welcome to Next Gen Movement, our sole mission to empower tomorrow's leaders by harnessing and unleashing collective wisdom, lessons and experiences of thought leaders within the community. All right, so everyone, this is the chapter 18 of the Next Gen Movement. We got Vlad Excel all the way from beautiful Perth. Hey, Vlad, how are you? Good, thank you. And for those of you that don't know, Vlad is a North Face endurance runner. He's run a hell of a lot over the last few years and won even more. Um, so we are super grateful to have you on the show, Vlad. Um, we, today, really what we want to talk about is obviously the running, but you know, really what makes you tick and what's helped you create success out there on the dirt and how can we kind of capture some of that and give that information to our viewers and our listeners, yeah? So with no further ado, we'd just like to welcome you to the show. We've obviously got Zach and Toph, the regular co-hosts on the show. Hey, guys. So I guess what I'll do is I'll kick off the first question. So, Vlad, I've done a bit of research. We've done a bit of research on your story, and you probably don't know, but uh, the three of us in Paris, who's not on the, the show today, we've all connected through adversity. Zach and I, primarily through alcohol, uh, gambling, drug addiction, and, and Toph went through his own depression. And um, we've used what we've kind of de defined to some degree is purposeful suffering to help move through that and to become who we are today. And I know from your story, you used to smoke, you used to drink a lot, and then it seemed like you had this all of a sudden epiphany. Can you just walk us through what that process was like? For you maybe I have a similar um, similar characteristics by having an addictive personality um, so yeah I mean I was um, yeah probably about a packet of cigarettes a day um, you know I was pretty heavy into alcohol my best friend is still in AA um, luckily I kind of got out of you know kind of controlled it at the right times um, really addicted to energy drinks as well like super addicted to energy drinks <laughs> Probably like, you know, anything between like four and six liters of energy drinks a day. Jesus. Um, so, yeah. And then I found this, um, you know, I found running. I did one race and, and the high that I got from finishing that race was just greater than any substance that I've abused in, in, you know, seven years prior to that. And I got addicted to that. And, you know, now I'm racing pretty much 30, 40 races a year. Um, you know, just kind of that addictive personality. I'm just happy that, you know, that I, I took that turn at the age of 25, so a few days before my birthday, where, you know, some people, it takes them longer. And, and but you do hear of quite a lot of um, endurance athletes and triathletes um, that do have that background of, of, mm. of that addictive personality. And, and now that they can kind of put all their energy and, and addiction into a healthier thing, um, they usually do quite well because um, they're really committed. So for me, when I started running, um, you know, I did a marathon straight out and then another marathon and then I was all in. So there was no kind of turning back. So I was happy to like, you know, give up on university and, and, and you know, give up on a lot of things and sacrifice a lot just to have a shot at running. Um, so I guess you might have a similar kind of story and, and I know of a lot of people that have this kind of 
um, change in their life where they come from a dark place, an unhealthy place, and 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 that addiction just turns into endurance sport, which requires a lot of training. So you know, it kind of works works well. I I, I at one of the runs in Sydney, I met a guy. His name is Ray James. He was seventy something years old, and he crossed the finish line of the Sydney Marathon that we we're running for Brave Hearts and. Yeah, apparently it was his 314th marathon. He's got the national record. And I said to him, I said, mate, when did you go get into running? And without even thinking, he said, when I got off the piss. Yeah. And then he told me his story that he was a piss head and, and he used running as a medium to kind of pull himself out of that. So yeah, it's quite extraordinary. I mean, I hear that all the time in, in, in like people come up to me at the end of races and they go, you know, I have a similar story. And, and yeah, I think that that kind of extreme of one thing, um, you know, that can, some people lead that to, to doing well in other things as well. Like it's just that ability to, to really focus on one thing. Um, you know, if maybe I would have picked up, um, you know, maybe business or something like that, maybe that would have went well as well. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but at that time it was running and, and I just went all in. And, and then again, I think, that in running you can see um you can see success almost straight away so finishing a race back then w was success mm. and i wasn't used to it so you know i was the world champion in not finishing things you know <laughs> that 25. so to finish a race you know was and it wasn't like a 5k you know it was a marathon mm. without any training so you know it, it, i had to push through you know an hour <laughs> which is a lot longer than what I was used to. Um, I usually would just give up. Um, so I think that seeing that success just keeps on feeding that fire. So like, you know, every time I did well in a race or finished a race, you know, that fire just grew bigger and bigger. And um, yeah, it just keeps on motivating me to, to train every day and, and, you know, sign up to as many races as I possibly can. That's awesome, Vlad. I want to... Um... I find it amazing that you, how old are you now? Sorry. 32. Just so, so, so in seven years mm. gone from some, and you didn't really run before you turned, you did that marathon, did you? I was running to bottle shops before. <laughs> <laughs> hey Zach, he's one of us for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. Um, so I'm, I'm like seven years, not a lot of great, like not a, not a whole heap of time to to become a professional athlete. Um, what or was there a pivotal moment that you sort of, whether you know maybe second, third, fourth marathon that you're like, I could actually do this for a living, like I could do this full time. You know, I I wouldn't consider myself as being a professional athlete even today. Um, you know, the sport of trail running is definitely growing, but you know, I'm still, I'm still working a full-time job. Mm. Um, I, I, I didn't go into the sport looking for, um, you know, any payments or rewards. It was kind of personal, you know, in the beginning, it was a great way to, to kind of get healthy and fit and, and obviously, you know, finish races. Um, and then the longer you're in something, you know, the more doors open up. So I had a few people kind of go to me you've only you've only been running for a whole year and, and and you know you've got all those results do you want to coach me you know and and i'll go like you know i know nothing about coaching but i can coach you for free till i kind of learn <laughs> and i had a few people that i was coaching for free in the beginning 
um, you know, a few months later on, they were doing quite well. So, you know, I started coaching more and more people and that became a job. Um, you know, I did a lot of races. So, you know, I picked up some sponsors, um, you know, so I was always putting myself out there, but never knowing what's going to happen. Um, but I knew the more races I'm going to do, the more people I'm going to talk to, the mm. more, um, mm. you know, the, the more I'm going to be out there, the more chances of things are happening. You know, you can obviously, you know, just train for a whole year and hope for one good race. Um, but, you know, there's no prize money in the sports or anything like that. So I just thought, I, can't, I just got to put myself out there race after race and try and do my best with every race. And usually that leads to, you know, I did some public speaking, obviously mm -hmm. a lot of coaching, sponsorship, um, you know, group coaching and stuff like that. And I never really planned for that to happen mm -hmm. in the beginning. I did enjoy the lifestyle. So, you know, in, in my head, I wanted to have that kind of lifestyle, um, but I never had the goal of making this into mm -hmm. a It's pretty incredible your story, Vlad. Um, with gone and gone from the bottom to like obviously surpassing anything you had ever dreamed of as well, and what you've probably noticed with being with doing about thirty forty events a year is kind of like when you said before when people come up to you and said have a very similar story, so that obviously that makes more of a bond with people. Tell us about how like the running has uh, cemented and solidified a community for you to be a part of and make you feel like you're part of a family. Like I'm sure the running has done that. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty closed um, personally. Like, you know, I only have maybe two or three good friends. Um, so it, it is hard for me to be in, in those situations. And I don't usually go and talk with people. Like, I'm not the one that would go up. But when people come and talk to me, then I would do my best to, to, to actually have a good conversation with them. Um, you know, I've changed probably maybe like 15 schools in my life, you know, so that kind of, you know, I had a bit of a defense kind of a fence around me um, to defend myself from, so, you know, I always was super quiet and stuff like that. But <clears throat> yeah, the more, the, the better I did in races, you know, um, you know, the more people talked to me and, and, you know, I became part of the community, even though, you know, a lot of the times I would come to a race and, and, and I would just want to do the race and kind of do my own thing and <laughs> go home and go training again. Um, and then in the last, I would say in the last year, two years, I kind of started shifting my mind a little bit and, and realizing there's a lot more, um, you know, that I could get out of doing all those races. So now I actually force myself to stay for at least an hour in the finish line. Um, <clears throat> basic goals of like you know let's try and talk with two or three people that you don't know today um from you know for some people it's nothing i know people that would talk to anybody would talk with a with a tree mm. on our conversation with them but you know for me that was a struggle and and you know today i did a race and and i was there for for at least an hour after the race kind of trying to not force myself into the community but at least try and become a little bit uncomfortable and build new skills and mm. um I wouldn't see myself ever being like a really big part of the community, the guy that organizes social runs and stuff like that, because that's not really my nature. Um, but definitely kind of learning how to open up a little bit. And, mm. and, and, you know, there's a lot of nice people in the sport. Like, you know, we, most of the people that do those races are not doing it for the money or the fame mm. or 
you know, for anything like mm. that, you usually, you know, you get sunburned, you get skinny mm. and dehydrated and, you know, so people do it for, for, for like, you know, the right reasons. And in many ways, a lot of the people that were in my life are not there anymore. And I can connect with people that do races a lot more than friends that I used to go out and just drink with. Yeah. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it is a nice community and, and I wish I was a little bit more outgoing so I can really take a full advantage out of it. Um, but for me, it's a big step to, yeah, talk with three or four people at the end of the race. Um, you know, not just kind of like, hey, how are you? Mm. But try and have like a meaningful conversation for mm. minutes, get to know somebody. Um, you know, and that's, yeah, the last kind of year and a half, that's been one of my goals in races. Um, well, it's a challenge, still a challenge. Mm. And it might be a challenge for a long time. Um, but I definitely try and try and improve on that um, community aspect that I can be a part of. Mm-hmm. Now, Vlad, that's a very honest answer, bro. And I appreciate that, that vulnerability. I mean, the, the thing about it, it's a funny thing because I, I, I consider myself an extrovert, but the, the running joke is when I'm running, I'm, 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 I look mean and I don't like to talk to people. And I think we know that it's a very personal journey when you're out there and you're running. I think everyone deals with it in their own way, yeah. you know, and everyone copes with the, the, the challenge and the struggle in their own way. And, you know, I, after the races, you're depleted. Sometimes the last thing you want to do is get and engage in these deep dive conversations. And I think also ultra running is a very competitive process. And, I, you know, it's, 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 it can become very difficult in that scene to shift gears from being so focused, so concentrated, then all of a sudden super engaging. And so I I get that, mate. And you know, your, your self-awareness and the fact that you're trying to shift the needle is, is is great because ultimately you are a ambassador for the sport now. You know, so one of the things I want to talk about is I know that you had to shift your gears a little bit on how many races you were doing. I think I read something in 2017 or 2018, you had run like maybe 30 or 40, 100 K races in a year and you were potentially suffering or going to suffer burnout. Now we talked a little bit earlier about that addictive personality and I know that I have to have, personally for me, as a person that has that type of personality, I have to have a, um, there's a spiritual element to my being and how I live now, which kind of has to, um, I have to focus on my well-being or else my addictive side will burn me out, Right. So my question to you is, since you've been sober and you've been running and you've been running a lot, how do you manage or how do you manage your self-care? Like, how do you make sure you're looking after yourself, mate? Well, first of all, I think that I, I'm, a, I'm a kind of a person that I need another goal. Otherwise, I won't go out training. Um, as much as I like running, you know, in the end of the day, I've never ran unless I had a race in front of me coming up. Um, 
so for me that's looking after myself in, in those kind of senses is making sure that I'm doing something for a purpose um, making sure that I've got a goal in front of me and and it's as basic as as, as you know signing up to five races at, at the time you know what I mean so I know that I have something um, that I'm going to look forward to straight after that finish line happens um, you know I finish a race you know whatever I spend my hour at the finish line I get home and and I start preparing for the next race and and being in a sport where doesn't really matter if you win or not win or do really well because there isn't a prize money that's going to affect my lifestyle in many ways mm-hmm. you know that's been working for me really well i think with the burnout to be honest it's probably when i had a bit of a dip in performance um i didn't do too well in the world champs and another race um leading up to it and then i was kind of questioning why am i still running 180 190k a week um, and I found the answer that I needed a change and I signed up to two triathlons and I was still training the same amounts, probably even more. Suddenly I was training, you know, I was adding swimming and, and mm-hmm. cycling to the equation and, and I was probably doing 20 hours of training a week. Um, you know, and I continued racing like straight away. Like, you know, I did six half Ironmans in six months. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I started with three triathlons in three weeks out of, out of the blue kind of, um, so I do need those goals and, and to be honest, it's been seven years of almost racing almost every single week. So let's say on average every 10 days. Um, so, you know, that's, I guess that's the way I look after myself is making sure. But Vlad, let me ask you a question on that. What if running wasn't available to you tomorrow? How would you manage? What would you do? Running or racing? That's the thing. Racing. I probably wouldn't be running as much we definitely no way that i'll be running twice a day you know 180k weeks no way um you know as much as i like running mm. i don't i mean i do it for 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 the goal of i like mm. training like i like the whole you know putting you know making the most out of each day in training mm. and and all that but without a race i don't think it would it would really kind of work for me I think that I need that goal or something to kind of push me. Otherwise, you know, I might as well not sacrifice that run and spend time time with my family or, or mm. do other things that are going to, um, you know, kind of, I guess, improve me. In many yeah, ways. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Mate. It's a, and thank you for being so vulnerable. And, um, you, you know, I can just sense but the way that I answered a few questions, Vlad, very, like a lot of humility, which um, mate, it's awesome. I guess, um, so I'm, I'm sort of just starting to do a little bit more running. Um, I'm, I'm sort of probably a little bit heavier than I, than I, than I should be um, at the moment. So um, I, you know, grew up playing footy and a lot of sort of CrossFit and power athlete sort of stuff so now trying to move into the endurance space rj's got a grin on his face he made me run a half marathon last week right? i almost died yeah, well. i'm i'm curious right so for, for me there were a number of um times doing that half marathon that i'm like having this internal conversation with myself that you know <laughs> This sucks. I was in a lot of physical pain. I was struggling for breath. Um, I, I struggled, you know, holding a certain pace. So I was like, energy wasn't consistent in terms of my output. Um, and 
I'm curious from my point of view, what the internal dialogue looks like for you. Mm, good question. When it gets tough, you know, I can imagine, um, you know, on like a, a 50 or a hundred K, you know, race. I mean, for me at like, being K's in for the 21 K's, right? I'm struggling, right? This is where I'm like really starting to fight and I had to kind of find a little bit more within me, right? So what does that look like for you at say 70 K's into 100? Mm. I mean, there's two, two, two ways that I look at it. If I'm in the lead uh, or I'm doing well, like, you know, I might finish in the top three, um, I'll push through any pain and, and, you know, I know why I'm racing is to kind of do my best and, and finish as, as high as I can up that ranking. If I'm 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 50th, there's many times that I DNF'd and I said, you know, this is not worth it, you know. Um, I've got another race next week, which mm-hmm. is definitely not the best kind of outlook on it. Um, but that's my competitive nature that... If things don't really go my way, I say, look, there's no point, you know, going for five hours of pain here. I might as well, you know, stop here and mm. and start training for the next race so this doesn't happen again. Um, and that kind of fuels my my training for a long time. So, you know, it's not. I'm not saying this happens a lot, but let's let's say that. Out of the 200 races that I've done, I maybe DNF five or six times, and they were the main kind of fire burning events that that would lead to a lot of training after it. And, <laughs> and in many ways, I need a bad race to mm. kind of keep me motivated. Um, you know, the thing is with trail running. You know, if I'm not feeling well at 50k, I'm, I'm I find myself in 10th place. You know, another six or seven hours of, of you know, hating myself, getting overtaken by everybody, um, left, right, and center. You know, it's maybe something that I don't really want to go through. Um, you know, now that I have a little bit more pressure on me with sponsors and stuff like that. Oh, okay. It's kind of trying to find that balance. I, I mean, it, it, in many ways, it is the easy way out. Um, but, you know, the bidding that I kind of give myself, you know, it sometimes doesn't feel like the easy way out. So I'll be, I'll be, I'll be really down for the next few, few days, few weeks. And I'll just bury myself in, in as much training as I can. Um, so I won't get to that point ever again. And that's the mentality that I kind of get um, from having a bad race. Um, but usually is, is understanding why I'm doing it. And we all have a different why, you know, for you that why might be, you know, lose weight or, or finish in a certain amount of time. Um, you know, in many ways, when I go into trail races where I know that I have a chance to win, you know, my why of why I'm doing this is to win. Um, you know, I've, I've raced many different distances. And, you know, it's not that I need to prove myself anything with a time or, um, or anything like that. It's rather doing well. Um, and that's why I keep training hard is because I do well. And in many ways, I'm scared of not doing well. Um, so that is my why. And I guess the easiest way for you to find out your why is to kind of really think why you're doing this race. And then when you have those tough times, you can kind of go back to that why and answer it. And hopefully they'll kind of get you through. So we all have different goals. Like, you know, there's people that do races for one reason, another reason, um, you know, 
I'll probably think about it in many ways. I thought about it a few weeks ago that I never, like, never went through, like, junior sports. You know, the first time I ever competed in anything was tennis, and that was at the age of 14. So the first time I ever touched a tennis racket was just before my 14th birthday. Um, my parents bought me some tennis lessons as a birthday lesson, as a birthday present. Um, so I didn't go through, like, years of competing and, and maybe doing well and not well. So for me, like, you know, the first time I won something, a tennis trophy, you know, for me, this was the greatest thing. And, and it kind of kind of keeps me motivated till now um, with running the same thing. So maybe, you know, it's not healthy not being in sports as a kid, um, but I wasn't. So, you know, that kind of com competitive edge is, is burning really high at 32, um, going into races that most likely I'm going to win. I'm still going in there, like, you know, I'm still feeding that ego, which is maybe not the best thing to do, but, you know, that's my kind of reason why. Um, and, yeah, I guess we all have different reasons why. And and I don't like pain like nobody else. Nobody likes pain, but for me, losing is a lot more painful than, than you know, sore legs or, or calf muscles that are a little bit tight. You know, I've experienced that in my first few races and that definitely didn't stop me, you know, a little bit of pain didn't definitely didn't stop me. It's more than the mental stuff that stops me um, rather than physical pain. <laughs> that makes, it makes so much sense with the childhood stuff because it's like you never had that as a kid and now you're yearning for it all the time. I'm like that with any sort of adventure. I was not really a sporty kid and now I crave it so much because... Um, kind of to, to running but i never i never won anything though um i'd get to a point like, oh i really like this i never had this as a kid so i'm always yearning it um funnily enough i can see a trend that a lot of ultra runners including myself we're running away from something we're running away from demons it's not until we put it towards something and my, my question for you vlad is what do you feel has been the biggest insecurity that you have overcome in the last seven years that running has helped you with I mean, it's definitely a good question. I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I mean, there's, I can probably sit here and kind of um, think about that for an hour, but I think that when I started running, you know, I was, I was scared of maybe getting a normal office job and, and having a normal life. Um, you know, so maybe that's why I was running away from in the beginning and, and now I'm just running away from maybe still being scared and having a normal life because Mm. I've, I've never really had a normal kind of job or a normal lifestyle in many ways like you know whatever normal is but um, compared to a lot of other people so I'm guessing that's what I'm running for <laughs> I mean yeah I'm not 100% sure to be honest um, yeah no look it, it's a it's a big question Lloyd and um, just on on what you what you were talking about in response to Zach's question, it was funny that you brought that up because I was having a conversation with a running coach about you. And I noticed that, um, I, I, I noticed that, that when you didn't finish in the blue mountains, right. And we were talking about that. And he said, you know, with someone like Vlad, like you, you've got that many races you have to you have to think strategically on the output of your energy and if you're feeling like shit 
you don't want to run yourself into the ground and not be able to run the next week. It's different for someone that's just doing it to challenge themselves or test themselves. You're, if you're obviously now you're sponsored and you have to think about the week after and the week after that. And I think one of the, the, the most interesting things about the question that you answered that Zach asked was your, the way that you use that is a driver to fuel your performance. Because I think that it's not about the successes that we have that really define us. It's also about the failure and how we frame that failure. And I think that you've got a lot of awareness and you're able to leverage failure to probably almost help you move um, further versus had you won to some degree. Every time I have a few good races, I'm waiting for that bad one. So I can keep motivating myself, and you know that happens, and I go, okay, it's here. Let's put my I'll put my head down and, and continue working hard, because um, obviously, like you know, the motivation is is not the same after winning. I probably would have won maybe eighty, ninety races by now, so the motivation is not the same. So I am get I don't get motivated by winning. I'm, get motivated by not winning so having that bad day motivates me a lot more than winning so usually if i win i kind of look at it okay that's kind of normal but when i don't win that's when it's like okay we got to work harder so this doesn't happen again what so what norm as 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 doing well in a race i bring that as the norm for me and and i train that way and i kind of think that way um so i don't train to finish a race i train to win a race um which is a little bit, I guess, different than a lot of people. Um, I put, you know, I go through a lot of pain in, in, in training and, and, and run through pains and small injuries and stuff like that, um, just because my goals might be a little bit different than, than other people. Yeah, look, I, one, of the, one of the things that is, is blaringly obvious through this conversation and one of the hallmarks of all the successful people that we interview is that successful people are in love with the process and they're so focused on the process and they understand what they need to do in the day that the outcome just happens. And what we typically find is the people that really have a good grasp on that, like when we're talking to Jeff Jowett about really focusing on that process um, and really being in the moment and knowing what needs to be done in the day, every day, in the grind, will ultimately yield that outcome. So I think, I think that's, that's really come through. One of the things I want to ask you um, about this bad day, do these bad days just happen? Or do you, can you usually chalk it up to poor diet, fatigue? I mean, because this, this is probably coming – from a personal, I mean, this is probably personal because I do the running as well, but I think it's also uh, relevant for those out there in, in the business community or any field they're in about how to manage a bad day. For you, what does a bad day look like? How does it just happen in a race? A lot of it comes from mental, to be honest. I think mm -hmm. that there's so, like, a lot of the days with ultra running, a bad day, what can that be? That can be stomach related issues, mm -hmm. um, you know. And stomach-related issues, 60% of the time are mental-related. Um, you know, overstress, overthinking it too much, too nervous. Um, you know, so I think a bad day for me is 
is usually starts mentally rather than physically. And then that suddenly I pick up, oh, actually my, my, my calf is really tight as well. And my feet really <laughs> so that becomes my excuse way out. Um, but I think it starts um, mentally and, and, you know, we all need kind of an excuse to, to tell, tell mm. the world, like, look, I had a bad stomach day. And, and you know, <laughs> the last race, you know, it doesn't sound fun, but I ran to the bathroom probably like 20 times in, in 50K. Um, so not a fun experience, mm. but I do believe that it started in somewhere in my mind, just overthinking that race, probably putting it a little bit too much pressure on myself um and maybe that wasn't healthy you know i, I, I can dig into oh, i ate my breakfast 20 minutes later than what i usually do mm. or, you know 300 calories more than what i usually do or the stuff was too fast but you know those things should, should slow down the race but they shouldn't stop you from like you know um completing a race so i think that for me it starts mentally a lot of the times personally because i prepare myself usually well enough physically um so you know before my first 100k race i was doing 75k training runs um you know so i was kind of making sure that my physically i'm ready and what i'm understanding now is that those long sessions of training were getting me ready mentally as well um and then like later on you know after doing so many ultra marathons and winning so many ultra marathons you kind of start thinking well, maybe I don't need to do that 75k training run because it's not fun. Maybe I'll just do 40 today and 30 tomorrow. That's that's a lot easier. You know, still adds up to amount, almost the same amount, but you know, it's a little bit easier. But realistically, that same day that you do that 75k training run gets your your mind so much stronger. Mm -hmm. That last bit of that 75k trail training run, when nobody's watching, nobody cares. Um, you've been out there for like six, seven hours. You're dehydrated. You're hungry probably getting cold you got a million things to do still when you get home it's not like a race day you know there's nobody there so those kind of days make you stronger and those are the days that really got me doing well in a lot of ultra races um a few years ago where now you know i'm definitely faster and a better athlete but mentally i'm not as as strong because my training sessions have moved to um become a little bit more comfortable and, and that is a bad thing and that's what i'm trying to kind of work on now and, and if that means doing longer runs and that's what i need to do to get that mental like mentally strong enough so i think a lot of the bad days happen because you're not prepared correctly mm -hmm. and that preparation usually comes mentally or physically physically i mean it's it's quite easy but they go hand in hand mm. um, so I think to avoid bad days, you just got to work hard and, and, and train outside your comfort zone, not to the point that you're going to get injured, but like outside your comfort zone to the point that this sucks. I never want to do this ever again. But those are the days are going to get you a lot stronger and, and most likely avoid those bad days. Yeah. Vlad, I, I just want to sort of take this opportunity. I said it before and your humility, mate, it, it is very inspiring I've, um i've just followed you on strava so mate you're uh, you're, you're gonna pump me up to to do more caps um mate i just want to give um give this up give you a bit of an opportunity to to plug kind of um you know anything any races that you've got coming up that that someone could catch you at or um in terms of seeking um you as a coach where they could find you um yeah just want to give you a 
the floor. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll be doing a lot of races, um, probably too many to kind of uh, mention on here, but I try and do, yeah, probably most of the ones, the smaller ones in Perth, the local races here. Um, I'll also be in Chamonix doing the OCC, so the shorter version of, um, of UTMB in August. Um, I do a little bit of online coaching, well, a little bit, that's my main job. Um, it's all on my website, which is bladexcel.com. Um, No worries. So, Vlad, we usually ask our guests um, the final question. It's usually the same question. And what we'd like to ask you is, if you had one piece of game-changing advice to give to the next generation, what would it be? I mean, you've probably heard that a million times, but just work hard. I think mm -hmm. that nothing beats um, working hard, you know. Obviously, work smart. But I think in the end of the day is, is making sure that you put the time and effort into anything that you do. And the more you sacrifice, the better you're going to do it. At. And if something is important to you, learn how to find time to do it. Um, you know, if it's important for you to run a half marathon at whatever pace, you know, you find time to train for it. So I think for me, it's always been just put in the work, just work hard and, and don't really worry what other people think. Just stay on your own journey. It's a good answer, Vlad. Thanks, Vlad. Mate, look, Vlad, we are uh, super grateful for having you on.